on the Rebel Sports Network from Learfield. Live from Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Welcome to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming. Experience life rewarded with Boyd Rewards. Proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer-driven. Now, here are your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry. Hey, uh, well, welcome once again to the uh, Run and Rebel Coaches Show here at Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Apologize for that. I'm John Sandler. Curtis Terry will join us in just a minute, but the most important person is here, head coach Kevin Kruger. As the Runner Rebels are 7-0 and to start the season and get ready for the uh, initial road trip, true road trip of the year, heading down on Saturday, actually Friday afternoon, to uh, San Diego, take on USD, the Toreros, led by their head coach Steve Lavin, uh, Saturday night down at the uh, Jenny Craig Pavilion uh, on the campus, that beautiful campus down there on the bluffs in San Diego. And uh, let's bring head coach Kevin Kruger in right away. And coach... Uh, 7-0, and uh, just doesn't get any better than that. You've got to be proud, and you've got to be uh, gratified about all the hard work you've, you and your staff have put in, and it's paying off. Yeah, I think uh, getting to this point, um, you know, with 7-0, you know, and new staff, new team, uh, to get to kind of this break where with the rodeo coming in town where we know it was study week and we have this week to, to kind of almost catch our breath, if you will, a little bit, to get to this point, um, and, and just kind of take the steps that we've taken. I think uh, we're, we're really proud of them, really happy for them. But uh, we understand, of course, as a staff and, and being around basketball a while, but they got to understand that uh, it, the work's really now just kind of continuing to begin, which is something we can say kind of every week after every win. You know, it's just now starting uh, just to, to get more and more difficult. Well, we're going to spend some time talking about uh, the championship that you won down at the SoCal Challenge. Those two games there uh, that were uh, exciting, terrific, very different in the way they played out, but uh, ended the same way in a runner-rebel victory. The big win the other night against in Life Pacific, a chance to get a bunch of other guys on the floor. And uh, you mentioned kind of the, this period as the rodeo comes to town, and we're always it's always great to see. I think when we walked in tonight here at Bailiwick, there were a couple of uh, clear rodeo attendees uh, uh, sitting at the bar, and they, uh, they're starting to make their way into town and uh, looking forward to uh, all those festivities. We're always happy about that. But it gives you and your staff, as you said, a chance to kind of maybe take a breath and assess where this program is right now this season uh, in your second year as head coach and uh, give you a, a, a chance maybe to, to step back and, and make that assessment. But uh, let's start off with uh, the trip to Southern California and the SoCal Challenge. Uh, we were joking about it, the 10 o'clock tip against Southern Illinois. Uh, it proved to be uh, about a 10:25 tip as the uh, game prior to ours went into overtime. But uh, it didn't seem to bother the guys in the long run. Did you notice any impact of that uh, on either team? No, no, I didn't, nothing directly, but, uh, you know, as a staff, we kind of talked about, yeah, it was unfortunate to have that 10 o'clock tip, but uh, playing a team from, you know, from Illinois, you know, to, to their bodies, it was, it was a midnight tip. So uh, it was one of those where, you know, we didn't, of course, want to be tipping off at 10 p.m., but uh, it, we, we stayed quiet because, uh, you know, we, we thought maybe it could be an advantage for us, but 
I think most of us here can remember the college college days and college ages. You know, midnight's really not that big of a deal. It's not until after then that you get a little uh, a little more uh, annoyed by those times. Yeah, and it was uh, that that game against Southern Illinois was such a tough game because they really did a great job of, especially in the first half, keeping the Rebels from doing things they wanted to do on offense. Yeah, I think uh, Southern Illinois was a team that, as a staff, of course, we. We've known all about you know having the ability or the you know opportunity as a kid to grow up in Illinois, um, and you just you know about Southern Illinois. The basketball community knows about Southern Illinois, um, but not necessarily out on the West Coast as much. So our guys that grew up out here out on the West Coast uh, may not know that that that's thirty years of culture of a style of basketball of just tough you know, hard-nosed kids that play together. Uh, they play incredibly hard. And uh, so that was uh, a- as gratifying as a win as we've had this year just because it- there's a level of respect that we just wanted to make sure our guys had for Southern Illinois only because you- when you live out west, you just don't see them as much. You don't hear about them as much. They're not on the news or, or across your phones as much. Um, but everybody, of course, in the nation and in the basketball community knows how uh, good of a win that was for us. You trailed by four at halftime, and, and, and in some ways were fortunate to be down only four at halftime because they really kind of – it was really the first time this year that the Rebels had, had been dictated to instead of UNLV dictating what was going on on the court. So you go into halftime, you go in the locker room, obviously made some adjustments. Walk us through, if you will, what those adjustments were, what the conversation was at halftime, what got the Rebels going to come from behind and win that game. Well, and the main the main kind of scouting point that we had made uh, leading up to Southern Illinois was just that the, on the defensive side it was going to take multiple efforts and not necessarily even just two. It could be three or four. And uh, in that first half, I, I believe they shot 62%. Um, so it kind of was a, it, we either forced a turnover or they made a three. There exactly. was no in-between. And I think a lot of that was just because they do, do such an unbelievable job of sharing the ball. Uh, they're elite at finding space for each other, creating space and advantages for each other. So um, I, I think in the second half, though, the guys really just, after there was a minute and a half time to kind of sit down and assess what, what we had gone through, the guys just really noticed that, you know, it was going to take just a little bit more than uh, than was given in the first half. And and uh, to their credit, they, they did all of that because uh, they, they had another unbelievable second-half defensive output. Yeah, you held them to uh, 28% in the second half, only six field goals in the entire second half for Southern Illinois. You held them to 19 points. And from an offensive standpoint, you started getting into the paint, and that really helped. And it wasn't the sense of a, of a David or a Vic, one of, your, one of your big guys, getting in the paint and dominating. It was the guards attacking. It was Keyshawn, it was EJ, and it was Luis. Yeah, and I think, uh, you know, Keyshawn and EJ Harkless, you know, there's, no, there's never been any secret. You know, we're going to rely on them and lean on them to get in the paint. They, they have an ability to get past their defender. And uh, I think uh, just over time throughout the course of the game, um, those guys just continuously putting pressure on, on Southern Illinois' defense just eventually led to good, good looks and, and good positive possessions. But, of course, down the stretch, uh, feeding the ball to EJ, putting him in, uh, trying to get him in situations where he could, he could make a play, and, and, and he kind of just took it from there. Uh, hit a couple huge shots that ended up being the difference. His game is, is so much fun to watch. Uh, especially if you've been watching basketball a long time, because it isn't flashy, it isn't it isn't over the top, but it's so smart, and the little things he does. I remember a play in that game. He got in the lane, 
He knew he had a defender in front of him. He also knew he had a defender behind him. He got himself into a, pl- a place where he knew he could get the shot off, but also, I-, I don't know if he leaned back or just hesitated to the point where he drew the contact, got the foul, put up the shot as he was falling down. Three-point play, extended the Rebels' lead, and, and really kind of iced the game for him. Yeah, he's a high bas- or high IQ basketball basketball player, and uh, I think it shows in those kind of situations. Just his his awareness and recognition of of time and score spacing, um, kind of a, you know, where defenders are at. Uh, it was just something that I think he used to his advantage, especially you know at the end of the Dayton game, at the end of the Southern Illinois game, where we had to, you know, you do. As a coaching staff, you don't always, of course, you want the ball to go in, but the primary thing you want is just a good, solid look at the hoop, a good, solid, high-percentage shot. Um, not be, not only, for, of course, because it might go in, but it allows you to transition back to defense with a little more of, a, of an idea and an understanding of what you want to do. And, uh, yeah, he, he just did an unbelievable job of, of getting in the paint, uh, getting guys off their feet. Um, he's not flashy, like you said. He's not going to go in there and dunk on everybody, but uh, he's incredibly efficient when he gets in the paint. And he, he did exactly that. And uh, uh, Rebels really worked hard. What about uh, defensive adjustments? To You mentioned that it, it took a little bit more effort by everybody, but were there any specific things you did to take Southern Illinois out of what they wanted to do? No, I think it was just more of the guys uh, just kind of having that first half under their belt, uh, just recognizing maybe where we were standing as opposed to where we needed to be standing, but nothing, nothing to where we went in there as a coaching staff and, and completely – you know, reinvented the game plan. You didn't um, throw a diamond in one at right? No, it was just, uh, it was more about uh, just being aware, uh, more about, uh, you know, knowing who you're guarding. This is a, the, the way the guys have defended so far this year, that's be kind of, that's kind of become more of our focus in, in our scouting reports leading up to games. It, is, it isn't as much, you know, what plays do they run? What actions do you, are you going to see? It's a lot more about knowing who you're guarding. Are they able to, to make, Good passes off the dribble. Are they able to make tough shots? And and uh, because of the way the guys have uh, kind of come together defensively, I think uh, after they go out there and see it a little bit, uh, they really kind of fall into a pretty good groove. And and that's a testimony to the to the maturity of this group, without a doubt. You know, just uh, you know, you can never put a value on what Eli Parquet. Uh, Keyshawn Gilbert, of course, uh, Jackie Johnson, the way he's kind of, you can never put a value on what they do and how annoying they are uh, defensively on the ball full court. Uh, because when you're a point guard and, you, and your primary goal is to just get the ball across half court safely, you know, that weighs on you. And that takes its toll on you to the point where toward the end of the game, you know, you might be led into a bad decision or you might uh, just kind of make an uncharacteristic decision because you've had to work against that all night. And I think, uh, of course, the three biggest games so far, of course, being Southern Illinois, Minnesota, and Dayton, I think that's kind of what we've seen toward the middle of the second half. Well, no doubt it worked against Dayton. Uh, Rebels were able to force another 21 turnovers. That continues to be kind of the... The, 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 the pennant, if you will, the flag that this, uh, this group has planted thus far, uh, forcing turnovers uh, in, the, in the high teens or, or low 20s just about every single night out. You get the win. And then, again, in, in another sort of testimony, testament to the, the maturity of this group, um, you know, we're down there in, in San Juan Capistrano in Dana Point. Pretty easy to get distracted down there. It's awfully nice. And your guys just kind of kept their heads down, went about their business, and got ready for Minnesota. Got a chance to relax a little bit, but we did. We we were able to have a great uh, day in between. Um, we were able to get over to the gym for about an hour, and just kind of let the guys you know stretch their legs a little bit, move around a little bit, uh, get some shots up. 
um, some stretching. But, you know, as we talked about in California, this was a group where some of them took that time and uh, you got, you know, a little running in or a little movement in, and some of them uh, just, just stretched and just kind of stayed off their feet. But uh, we kind of allowed them to pick what they, they felt they needed to do or wanted to do to best get uh, ready for Minnesota. And, uh, but I also hear that the, the water was pretty cold. So uh, I think the guys uh, stayed out of it. We didn't have to worry about the beach uh, and being out in the ocean all day. So that helped us out. That certainly did. A little different than Hawaii or Florida, I would imagine. Well, uh, it was it was exciting to get ready for a championship. You you know, SoCal Challenge, Maui, whatever it is, it's always great to be able to play for a championship. And the Rebels had that opportunity. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about that championship game as the Rebels took on the Golden Gophers of Minnesota out of the Big Ten. We'll have that for you when we return. You're looking to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Jackie out top to Harkless. Harkless a three straight away is good. EJ Harkless gets the steal and the three and the Rebels lead 35-22 with a minute to go, their biggest of the game. Back to the Kevin Kruger Coaches Show, live from the Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. John Sandler, Kevin Kruger with you as the Runner Rebels uh, 7-0 on the season. Getting ready for University of San Diego, the Toreros, Saturday night from uh, San Diego. Rebels on their first true road trip of the year coming up. We're talking about the championship the Rebels won last week in the uh, SoCal Challenge. Uh, we went over the first game against Southern Illinois, and then Coach, uh, you knew Minnesota was coming up. You knew that uh, you thought Dayton was big. <laughs> you had Minnesota, uh, who featured, uh, what, 6-11-7-7 across the front line. I made the joke about Dayton that they guarded concession stand to concession stand. Minnesota would have been parking lot to parking lot. It was, uh, it was really something to see them warming up. Did you have a sense going into that game, and we've talked about it, how the Rebels' formula to that point had been defense, 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 especially in the second half, wearing a team down and finding a way to, to, to take a lead and then and then kind of shut down the opposition for the remainder of the game. Did you have a sense that that was going to be a little different against Minnesota, or were you kind of anticipating the same type of game? Um, well, the best thing that came from our Dayton game uh, was the ability to kind of get the guys' attention with Minnesota's size. And, uh, you know, it was a very similar prep um, uh, just in terms of, of getting them mentally ready to, uh, to, to know that they're going up against seven feet, they're going up against uh, you know seven feet six ten and a legit six seven uh, across the front line. Not a you know not an exaggerated six seven, but in Jamison battle, but a, a, a real <laughs> true six seven. I thought that was an understatement. Yeah, and, and he might even be a little taller than that, but uh, he was definitely a, a, a very big front line. But uh, we knew we had to get underneath them, and I think the guys just appreciated that and understood it, uh, especially from the Dayton game. Uh, we weren't going to be able to let Minnesota share the ball around the perimeter and throw it inside at, at their comfort and uh, have any success. So uh, it, it was good for us, and the and the guys came out and got off to a much better start. And we we knew we were going to need to do that, and and that's what they ended up doing. Well, it, it 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 changed the way I think the Rebels were able to approach the game. The fact that they hit shots early in the game, and uh, that just I think it put Minnesota on their heels. And I think it allowed the Rebels to play with a little bit more conviction early in the game on the defensive end as well. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, anytime that you're seeing the ball go in, um, it just kind of gives you a level of confidence on the defensive end. And it also puts pressure on the other team to make shots. And uh, anytime that I think this group defensively, if we can put pressure on teams to make shots, 
and uh, and just kind of have them have a feeling that you know they have to have to make them to 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 stick with us then i think we're going to be in a really good spot because these guys have proven that that they're going to guard so uh you know if we can get in those situations more often than not uh, we'll be in a good spot yeah and i mean Keyshawn knocked down the first three of the game and, and got the rebels going but i think it was incredibly gratifying to see jackie finally kind of start to feel comfortable and knocking down four threes in the basketball game. Yeah, Jackie and, and Webb, if they can kind of come off the uh, bench and provide that wave of, of shooting and energy uh, and kind of scrappiness, then, again, it just makes us that much better of a team. And it's and it's not something they're not capable of doing, which is what makes it, uh, I think, a realistic possibility and something that we weren't, um, you know, too... You know, it wasn't too uh, unfair to ask and, ex- and expect that it was going to come around someday. You know, Justin Webster, uh, you, you mentioned him. He played 22 minutes in that game, and the stat sheet doesn't recognize what his contribution was. And when he joined this program, the thought was, okay, this is a guy who's really going to provide you scoring, whether it's in, as a starter or off the bench. He's going to be a shooter. He's going to be a guy who fills it up. And his role has, I mean, whether it's because he hasn't quite get, found the rhythm yet or whatever, the things he did in that Minnesota game, Guys got into a little foul trouble. There were some issues there. And Justin Webster, all six foot two of him, came in and, and just kind of dominated his role in that game. Well, yeah, there was a, a an eight-minute stretch in the first half where I believe Minnesota had four points. And that, Webb was out there for almost all of them. You know, EP got in foul trouble. And between Webb and Jackie, they both went in there. And, and we went on a, a pretty good run there in the first half. And But in large part, to, like you said, like Webb just being, just being Webb. And uh, even though he wasn't making a three on every possession, he was he was doing a great job defensively. Um, he brings he always brings life and energy. He's the same guy every day, which is uh, I think again what kind of gives gives this team a really a really good chance to be good is uh, you know guys like Webb just being consistent, being the same every day. And and it was nice to see him get a couple to go on Saturday because uh, I think he had been putting a lot of pressure on himself to get, to knock down a couple shots. But if he can just keep doing what he's doing and and kind of get get the shots to go like we know he can and like he knows he can, then, uh, again, it's just, it, we keep saying it, it's just going to be another added weapon for this group. Well, and his, I, I, I'm just so impressed with the fact that he's able to make those contributions as a defender, as a disruptor, as a, a guy who facilitates on offense. Just all of the little things that, as I said, don't show up in the stat sheet. Uh, and, and just such a smart and, and kind of calming influence on the court for the rest of the guys. Yeah, and, and coaches included, because you know we know that when you when you go with Webb or you go with Jackie uh, in that first wave of subs, there, there's a level of security and confidence from our end as well that uh, you know there's not going to be a drop off. Uh, you know they bring energy, they play incredibly hard, but uh, uh, yeah, like like you said, Webb had an unbelievable game, an unbelievable impact in the Minnesota game, but not necessarily in the scoring column. So you go to halftime and. I'm not sure you you guys knew how to handle it because you had a 14 point lead at halftime. That hasn't happened very often this year. Yeah, no, it was a good feeling because the guys that we knew we needed to go out and get off to a good start. We knew we needed to send a message that uh, we were going to make things difficult for them to run offensively. Uh, we knew we needed to send a message that we were going to attack and try to get downhill, uh, you know, multiple times each possession. And I thought for those three things to be our keys. Uh, to win the game, I thought we couldn't have done any better in the first half. But then to come out in the second half and, and extend the lead, I think is it, it's just kind of one of those things. If we can put pressure on teams to make shots and, and kind of have them start to get a little bit tight, uh, the way this group is guarding and the and the and how hard they've played, um, we could find ourselves in a lot of really good situations. You, you come out after halftime, and typically, you know, you always say, especially when you're playing a good team, 
there's a run coming. They're gonna they're gonna cut the lead. They're gonna go on a six nothing run. They're gonna go on a an eight two run, and and you're gonna have to withstand that and answer. That really didn't happen in that game. Their, their run came after the game was was basically over in the last you know four minutes. Uh, a lot of credit to the guys, as you said, to, to extend that lead. Yeah, and we and we like to tell, especially being an older group. You know, we like to tell these guys that uh, you know one of two things is gonna happen. They're gonna go on a run, and we're gonna have to call a timeout. Or, you know, we're going to go on a run, and they're going to have to call a timeout. And, you know, just because we have a lead and a little bit of a cushion, it doesn't have to be them going on the run. You know, we don't have to take the first timeout in this half. You know, if, if we come out and, and kind of treat it just like a, the start of the game, and, and they did just that. You know, they, they didn't back off at all, kind of just continued to step on the gas and, and get it going, and, and we're able to build a, a pretty good lead. You win the championship, and it was wonderful to see the guys be able to celebrate. I mean... Uh, it, it, a chance to kind of okay, we've we've won our our sixth game in a row. That chapter of the season may be over, and it's been a success each and every time out. And the guys took full advantage. Yeah, I mean, anytime you can win a championship, it's a pretty special feeling. And uh, you know, to do it with with two high caliber teams in in Southern Illinois and Minnesota, and and then the fourth team, Cal Baptist, would have been a, a, an, another great challenge for us. Um, it, but it's a good feeling, you know. Uh, we're we're going to celebrate the wins here. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna have a good time and, and be appreciative and happy and, and thankful for each other. And, and and we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get be happy about winning games and winning championships. And uh, because uh, it should still be fun. And uh, so to see the guys celebrate and and root for each other and be happy for each other is it, it's what it's all about. Where's the surfboard? It's in Mendenhall. Okay. It's in there for the guys to see. That's awesome. I thought one of the best things about the, the three or four days we spent down there was how many of the guys had friends and family come down and watch them play and get a chance to, to celebrate with them. Yeah, I mean, for, for EJ Harkless to, to have his family be able to come and see him, Lou Rodriguez, I mean, you can kind of go down the list of everybody on, the, on our roster, especially from the Southwest. But, uh, you know, it's a great setup, you know, right down there for the SoCal Challenge for the tournament. And, uh, you know, it's, it's one that we would be excited to go back and play in again because it was easy to get to. Uh, it, was, it was a great venue. It was a great, as you mentioned, it was a great location. And uh, especially for us being a, a Southwest team, um, the, the opportunity for Rebel fans and, and Rebel families to get out there is, uh, is good for us. Just no more 10 o'clock tips. Yeah. That, we, that. we can do without that. But it was fun, and, and winning that championship uh, was terrific. And the guys, uh, the guys come home, and as you said, they get a chance to take a breath now. Yeah, this week offers them uh, some time. You know, we just uh, we did some skill development work early in the week, um, let them get off their feet a little bit um, to kind of get ready for kind of this second wave before before Christmas break until we move on into conference. And uh, uh, you know, we had a stretch there where we had four games in twelve days, uh, didn't have a lot of time or a day where they could truly just kind of sit back, relax, and uh, kind of get away from basketball for a day. And uh, so to to come back from that. Uh, and then uh, have the game Saturday night, and now they can kind of take a little bit of a breath and, and get ready for San Diego. All right, we're taking another break. Come back and talk about that game Saturday night. Obviously, uh, different circumstances. We'll talk about that, talk about getting a chance to get some other guys on the floor and some extended minutes. When we return, you're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel Casino on the UNLV Sports Network. From Blair Fishon. Reverses left side, now back to the middle of the floor, now back down the left side, steps through, gets fouled, and gets it to go. Keyshawn Gilbert, a tough drive to the basket, and able to put enough spin, enough English on the ball, and it rolls in, and a chance for a three-point play. 
back to your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry, with Coach Kruger on the UNLV Men's Basketball Coaches Show. Great play there by Keyshawn Gilbert, uh, driving as he does so effectively and has done so effectively this year, getting to the rim and drawing the foul, making the basket. Rebels have started the year 7-0, and uh, can't ask for anything better than that. John Sandler, Kevin Kruger with you. Run a Rebel basketball during this, uh, what you call it, study week? Is that what it is? Guys getting ready for finals? Yeah, I, I believe it's called reading week. Reading. Reading week, study week, either way. All right, well, they're doing both. And uh, I know that's a priority for you and the staff, uh, making sure that the guys uh, take care of business both on and off the court and then get ready for what uh, what is the first true road trip of the year. Rebels heading to San Diego this, uh, this Friday for the game Saturday night. But uh, last Saturday night, uh, we had... A, we had a little bit of fun at the Thomas and Mac. Rebels uh, welcome an NAIA school into the Thomas and Mac. And uh, there have been occasions over the last decade plus where when the Rebels have taken on a school that uh, you figure they were going to have little trouble with, that they had a little trouble with. They didn't have any trouble with this team the other night uh, as they took care of Life Pacific uh, 126-54, to I think was the final, uh, a 72-point victory. And... Uh, you know, it, it had to be a little bit fun, a little bit relaxing for you not to have to really worry about things, although I'm sure you did at the start. Um, but uh, probably a fun game to coach. No, it, it was a good game, just to, and everybody got to get an opportunity to get some minutes uh, and get some, get some looks up at them. You know, it was good to see Justin and Jordan uh, you know, get some threes to go in and uh, get some clean looks at the basket. Of course, Carl with 22 and 10. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, so it was fun to, to get those guys out there. They deserve it. You know, Keyshawn Hall got got an extended time. Uh, Shane Noel, of course, got out there. So, uh, you know, to get that opportunity to get out there and, and run around with their team out, teammates after being with them every day, is uh, it, it was great for everyone. The guys who got those minutes who, who typically don't get a lot of playing time or haven't yet this year, I mean, Carl Jones uh, certainly understands his role, and he's, he's filled it very well. It was terrific to see him, and it was great to see his teammates kind of celebrating on his behalf. Yeah, Carl's one of those guys I think, uh, you know, he's, again, he's a lot like Webb. He's the same every day. Um, he, he's happy to be a rebel. He wants to be a rebel, and uh, he works his tail off just like everybody else does. So uh, they, they were just really excited for him because he, he went out there, he had fun, and uh, Carl's one of the guys that, that everybody roots for. Uh, you mentioned Keyshawn Hall, big guard, the only freshman on the team. And as, as challenging a role as that is, especially on this group, where you've got so many mature guys and so many guys who, uh, who've earned playing time ahead of him, how is he handling that role? I know it was great to get him out there for 20-plus minutes, uh, but it's got to be a tough adjustment for him. Well, it is like any freshman. You know, you're going to have tough days and tough weeks. But uh, no, he, he's continued to put his head down. He's in there working every morning before practice starts, uh, getting himself ready for uh, for the opportunities that practice presents for him um, to get better. And uh, he's had a, a, a good mindset and a good approach to it. And and that's really hard for for freshmen to do. And and most freshmen, to be honest, at this point, and especially in November, they don't. And and they struggle. And they they kind of get down on themselves and may not uh, kind of keep a routine. And it, But he's done a really good job of keeping his routine, kind of just trusting that he's just got to continue to get better and, uh, and he'll be just fine. Is that one of the biggest challenges of being a coach these days is understanding how to help a freshman navigate through what is a very different environment than, than when you were a freshman? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, when I was a freshman, it was almost expected. 
uh, you know, to to not play a ton. You know, of course, personally, I, I redshirted. I knew there wasn't going to be an opportunity to play on the team I joined at, at ASU. So I took that year to just uh, try to work individually. And, and then even that next year, I didn't expect, and I knew it was going to be tough to get out there and get minutes. And But, it, yeah, I, I think in today's landscape of college basketball, the uh, the kind of wait your turn or the – you know, trust in yourself and the coaches and in the, the four-year plan or three-year plan uh, isn't one that is followed very often. So, um, but most freshmen around the country are struggling at some point or in some fashion. And uh, but to have Keyshawn be a part of the team, uh, even though he's kind of going through a stretch where he didn't play as much as he'd like to early, um, you know, the opportunities present themselves at different times throughout the year. You also got a chance. You al- you also got a chance to get your two walk-ons on the floor uh, with Cam Burrist and Nick Walters. And uh, it, I always watch the bench when those guys are on the floor because the guys on the bench, the guys who are with them at practice every day, you and your coaching staff, you know the effort that these guys put in and how often or how infrequently it gets rewarded. Yeah, I mean, the, the, for the walk-ons to be able to get some minutes out there is uh... – it's just special. It's a it's an opportunity to kind of for us to be able to say thank you to the, to those guys. You know they're the same guys every day in practice. They go out, they play incredibly hard with uh, with almost an understanding and an expectation that they know they're not going to get uh, minutes in, in during games during most games. So uh, to have Cam go out there, Nick, both local guys, uh, and not only just play but to score. Um, I think uh, you know you could see the way their teammates reacted. Yeah, it was the biggest cheer of the night was when Nick scored. I mean, Without they went crazy, and uh, and that was fun to see. All right, so you finish the game. And by the way, uh, as far as we can tell, that game tied for the second largest margin of victory in UNLV history. Um, there was a 73-point win against Hawaii Hilo uh, back in Tark's relatively early days in the 70s. But uh, those don't come around very often. No, not not a lot of games like that. But uh, no, I think they, it, the guys just kind of stuck to what was working and uh, were able to, to to turn Life Pacific over, get good looks on, looks on the other end, and the score just kind of ended up what it did. And and the guys understand what that was. They there's not going to be, especially with this group, with the maturity and the the quality of the guys that you have recruited. There's not going to be any sort of false bravado and 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 and. Poor behavior, poor sportsmanship after a game like that. No, the, the guys have been, like you said, they've been through college. They've had these experiences. So uh, you know, they, they were excited for each other. Nobody was out there hunting for a career night. Um, they were sharing the ball really well. And uh, so it, it was really kind of a, a fun night to have it on Saturday. You'll take 62% from the field and 58% from three every night? We'll take that. We just got to turn them over a little bit more. I, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on a limb here and say if you shoot 58 from percent from three every night it's going to be a good year (laughs) (laughs) that would be a lot of fun uh we we haven't talked a lot about the sort of off the court stuff with this group yet uh we we've got a chance now for a couple of minutes what what makes this group different off the court i mean on the court we see it it's the the commitment to the defense the buy-in the 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 lack of of ego in terms of i got to get mine we haven't seen any of that it has been a full team effort from moment one, what about off the court? I think with this group, uh, you know, they you don't see it maybe when, when it for when they first got here. You wouldn't see it maybe in a month, but uh, what we've seen is just really even when they're leaving, they're they're 
their mindset of how to get ready for the next day or, or the next game. Um, you know, we had a couple guys that were early on in the fall, even through the summer, you know, they had a routine where they'd end up in Mendenhall multiple times. Uh, you know, when we go through a, a stretch like we did the last 12 days leading up to Saturday, you know, a couple guys getting off their feet, um, you know, that approach and then uh, on the basketball side. But then, you know, when we have team dinners, when, we, when we're out like we were in L.A. Uh, or in, at Dana Point, you know, just seeing the way they act around each other, the way they, uh, they, they enjoy being around each other, is uh, is something that I think you know most good teams uh, kind of have an element of that uh, within the within their program. I, I let the fans in on a little bit of the, the inside. Uh, they win the championship. We get on the bus to go to the airport, and the ride to the airport is what forty minutes, something like that. Uh, the first twenty minutes were as loud and as raucous an amateur rap contest as I've ever seen or heard, I guess, and then. Everybody got tired, and I think it caught up with them. But they were celebrating for a while. Yeah, they had the speaker going uh, in the back <laughs> of the bus, and uh, you know they were having a good time, and and coaches, we were having a good time, and uh, but yeah, I think uh, about midway point through that drive, and then uh, and then the airplane was silent as well. So I I think they they deserve once that adrenaline wore off. Uh, you know, it hit them pretty good, but they deserve to have a good time. Absolutely. Uh, like I said, we're gonna we're gonna celebrate every win. We're gonna have fun with it, uh, but uh, but they deserved it. I, I I totally agree, and it was it was great to see. It was great to see him celebrating as a group, you know. And 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 I really think that you and the coaching staff, especially when you consider how you've had to bring in all the new pieces, integrate them with the the different personalities and the different roles the returners had and are going to have going forward. Um, what what's been the key to making sure that that process has been as seamless as it appears to have been well it's just, it's just the guys i mean they uh you know for a guy like eli parquet in his you know in his bonus year to you know after being spending four years at at colorado uh to come to unlv and be asked to guard the ball full court and to never you know bat an eye at it you know you're not going to shoot a ton of shots uh, you know it's it, and it's just he just he not only accepts it he enjoys that role um, you know, <laughs> again, guys like, you know, Jordan and, and Webb even, who had a little bit bigger role on last year's team offensively, uh, the, just kind of fitting in where they fit in with the group and, and the way the guys are going now. You know, it's not possible to, to get off to a good start this season if you don't have teammates and guys like Jordan and Justin. And uh, so I, I, it's really just those guys. But uh, if you really had to pick one thing, I think it, it, it's not – it's not possible to ask young guys or new guys to play hard, to dive on the floor if you've got a lead, or just fully commit to the team or the school um, if your older guys don't. And so when Lou Rodriguez is out there and he can't breathe because he's playing so hard um, as a again a, as a senior, somebody who spent you know four years at, the, at an SEC school to play as hard as he does. I think the other guys just kind of fall, not just follow suit, but they enjoy playing that hard as well. And then, of course, Keyshawn Gilbert, you know, that's how he's played since uh, day one when he got here. So now you've just got multiple guys that it's just in their DNA to compete and play as hard as they do. Um, I think it's just, uh, it's just one of those things where how can you say anything when those two guys are incredibly unselfish and just doing what they do for, uh, to get UNLV a win? You know, there's not a lot that can be said around the rest of the locker room. And I don't think there's anybody who has more fun playing than Lou Rod. 
Oh yeah, he has a blast, and he's in, and it show, it shows in the way he guards people. Uh, I think he enjoys being disruptive. Um, he's having fun with the other guys out there, uh, trying to create fa uh, fast breaks, transition opportunities. And uh, but you know he shoots the ball well. Um, he, he's big, strong, strong guy, and I, I, so I think he really just enjoys the defensive side of the ball, and uh, and, and he kind of get, you know just has fun, uh, you know, just kind of being annoying. He uh, he's, he's, he's at least that and probably more as he's gotten off to the great start, as have the rest of the Runner Rebels. 7-0 and to start the season. A lot of fun to uh, watch this team. And uh, when we come back, we'll, we'll do what we talked about at the beginning of the show, give Kevin a chance maybe to step back and, and give some perspective on, on this group and, and the program right now uh, with the Rebels having this week uh, to, as we've said, catch their breath before we head to San Diego for the game this weekend. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Gilbert spins in the lane, bounces underneath to Mawoka for the slam dunk. What a great bounce pass and a great catch by Mawoka. Back to the Kevin Kruger Coaches Show, live from the Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino. Back here, Back here at Bailiwick. John Sandler, Kevin Kruger with you. Kevin Kruger Radio Show, the 7-0 Runner Rebels, getting ready for the Toreros of USD coming up on Saturday evening down in San Diego as the Rebels uh, begin uh, their rodeo road trip, although it's not nearly the road trip that uh, we used to be on. I remember when, uh, when uh, Elder Coach Kruger was at the helm, we went to Corvallis and Minneapolis and Lubbock and... and other places far, far away uh, on, uh, during this time. We're very lucky to have uh, not only games scheduled within an hour of Las Vegas, but also to have facilities here in town where the Rebels can play when the rodeo's in town. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure back when he was coaching, uh, you know, we, there was, uh, we, you couldn't play in anywhere that had a sports book, if I remember it was the rule. And uh, now that uh, we're able to play in, in some of the unbelievable venues that are throughout the city, it's... Uh, it, while, of course, we'd rather be in the Thomas and Mac, we also get the opportunity to play in the MGM and the T-Mobile last year and, and Dollar Loan Center this year. So it'll it hopefully uh, you know, kind of be a good experience and a fun you know, opportunity for, for the guys and for the fans. Yeah, we're going to be playing Dollar Loan Center against Hawaii. I think that's next week. Uh, a game against Washington State at T-Mobile coming up, uh, or is that MGM? MGM. At MGM uh, uh, in a couple of weeks. So... Uh, uh, Rebels will be making their way up and down Trop and uh, around uh, around the valley uh, for the next couple of weeks. Uh, before we get to San Diego, I wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk to the to the fans a bit about the state of this program. Curtis and I talked about it a little bit, and we apologize on Curtis's behalf. Uh, just uh, unable to make it here tonight. Uh, had some other things he had to take care of. Uh, he will be back with us certainly on Saturday. As uh, can't do a game without CT, uh, but. Uh, uh, your chance to we, we talked about it the fact that the way the world of college basketball and college athletics has developed the idea of and we, we were talking about the integrating new pieces that's going to be kind of the norm you're not going to have too many programs that are going to be able to survive in this this world of college athletics by doing it the old way recruiting six freshmen a year having them develop in the program every year that's just not not feasible anymore um and, and you've done, you and your staff have done such a great job in the first two years, especially this year, of, of bringing those new pieces in, the pieces you wanted, designing the, 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 the team the way you want. Um, you have to look at it as an opportunity, don't you? Yeah, I think it's a, we've been very, 
you know, pleasantly surprised. And then, of course, the, the growth of, of David Mwoka and Vic Iwakor, uh, you know, at that kind of traditional quote-unquote five or center spot um, has really kind of uh, given us the ability to do a lot of the things we've wanted to do, uh, especially on the defensive side. Um, we knew the offense was going to kind of be a work in progress. When you have a, a piece as important as, as EJ Harkless that missed the summer with coming off his meniscus and actually missed most of the fall as well, you know, we knew that it was kind of going to be a little bit of a, a, a process on, in that regard. But they've gone, they've far surpassed what we expected them to do defensively. Um, you know, coming, coming from the Canada trip, even the, the closed door scrimmages, um, and then moving on to. You know, a very veteran, returning, experienced group in the Southern for the first game. We just had a lot of opportunities. I think we could have uh, stumbled or maybe uh, looked at the game or looked at the film and not been happy where we're at. But uh, there really hasn't been an instance where we haven't uh, kind of looked back at it and, and appreciated the effort and the intent of the guys. And uh, now the offense has started to kind of come along. They're getting a little more comfortable with each other, making plays for each other, and uh, you know, the SoCal Challenge was a great example. You know, just uh, not a great start for, uh, in the Southern Illinois game, but then the next three halves uh, were pretty good for us. Really good. And uh, you won both games. You've won everything you've, you've gone out to, to do. So uh, uh, things, uh, things certainly on the positive side. But as you, as you think about the future of this program, um, the recruiting has changed. The, the amount of time you spend looking at, different guys, um, your perspective on recruiting, that has to have changed since you were an assistant you know, and, and started your coaching career. Oh, it, absolutely. I, I mean, we've signed two, uh, two guys that will be joining us next year, one from junior college and one from high school. And, and yeah, the, uh, the, the conversations with uh, any high school recruit is, you know, that, that there is an expectation that you are going to be a contributor night in and night out. And, you will have that opportunity to show that. And it's not a situation where we're trying to bring in four at one time and just kind of see which one of them figures it out. But uh, I think there's also there's an understanding and, a, and an honesty in the relationship back and forth that we're going to lose a handful of seniors but only sign two guys. So we'll still be uh, involved in the portal um, depending on who leaves, who uses their – we got a couple guys that could use their bonus COVID year yep. uh, if they choose to. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of things that change. Uh, you know, what's uh, true on Monday might not be necessarily true on Tuesday, and it's not because anybody lied to anybody. It's just uh, the way things change. Absolutely right. All right, we'll take our final break, come back, and get a, a preview of the game on Saturday. We'll be down in San Diego and taking on the Toreros. Game time, 7 p.m. We'll be on the air at 6.30 over on ESPN Radio with Runner Rebel Warm-Up. But uh, get Kevin's thoughts on the Toreros when we come back. You're listening to the Kevin Kruger Radio Show from Bailiwick inside the Orleans Hotel Casino on the UNLV Sports Network from Learfield. Harkless right side to Jackie. Down low to Iwako on the right side. Vic in the lane. Vic puts it off the glass and in. Nice move by Vicky Iwako using his strength over Brown. And it's a two-point disadvantage for the Rebels. Back to your hosts, John Sandler and Curtis Terry with Coach Kruger on the UNLV Men's Basketball Coaches Show. All right, back here for our final segment, Runner Rebels getting ready to go to San Diego, first true road game of the year. And by true road game, I know it came up on, on Twitter. I mean, uh, you know, the Rebels were down at Dana Point, but those are considered neutral site games, uh, as that which nobody's home floor. Rebels will be in a true hostile environment, as they say. Uh, 
the not hostily named Jenny Craig Pavilion, uh, the home of the Toreros. But this is a West Coast Conference team, uh, and, and any team in the West Coast Conference uh, is going to be a challenge. Rebels have two of them on the schedule this year with San Diego and USF, uh, and the Toreros with a, a new head coach and some new vitality in the program. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, hiring of Coach Lavin uh, was, of course, a big deal. Uh, a nationally known and respected name, especially in the college basketball world. Um, and he was able to get some transfers really quick and then also keep uh, the, the guys, I think, I believe that he wanted to bring back from last year's team. So uh, a good blend of guys, a very dangerous group. Um, of course, uh, you know, you can, you can see the, the talent and the, uh, the kind of firepower that they possess uh, when you watch them on film. And uh, so it's going to be a great opportunity for us, a great challenge to go out and, uh, and, and prove again that, that we guard people as a team and, uh, and, but we're going to have our, our, our work cut out for us because they got a handful of guys that can really make plays. Rebels have to be playing with a lot of confidence, obviously, off to a 7-0 and start. How do you leverage that confidence heading into the first road game? I think we just, uh, there's, you know, there comes a sense of, uh, of security, you know, when, you, when you're doing things as a group and you're doing things uh, kind of as a unit and we're all kind of working together and, and the results are showing. You know, if, had we not been able to get a, a game or two uh, maybe that had they gone the other direction so far uh, you know it's pretty easy to splinter especially early uh, but I think the the fact that the older guys have stuck to their guns and and done what they believe is going to end up getting the win um, it should have the guys playing with a lot of confidence kind of playing uh, reading and reacting each other to each other and uh, uh, but uh, you know they're doing such a good job of that and they've they've done a, such a good job of creating turnovers largely because of that. They're just kind of reading and reacting and what their teammates are doing uh, to force uh, those turnovers, and, uh, and we've got to do that. You know, it's, it's, it's hard when you get into, a, into a, an opponent's gym to, to have that same level of consistent energy uh, throughout 40 minutes that you can have uh, more uh, uh, at home. But uh, that, that's going to be, another, again, another opportunity, another challenge for us to figure out how to do. Well, if this group has shown anything, is its ability to step up and face challenges. It's amazing to think that you've you've done this 7-0 and start without a key piece, and unfortunately that key piece looks like it's going to be out again for a bit of time as I, Isaiah Cottrell uh, looked as if he uh, might have re-injured that foot. Yeah, just nothing, uh, nothing that's too big of a setback uh, uh, in terms of uh, kind of going backwards and where his recovery was, just not as far along as, as we had hoped. And... Uh, Unfortunately for Isaiah, yeah, he, he wants to play. He wants to be out there. It's, it's been really tough on him watching, watching the guys get after it. But, um, you know, Isaiah, older, more experienced, very mature guy. So um, he's going to do what he needs to do to get back. And uh, we'll be really excited for that day when it happens. Well, we are looking forward to that. We are certainly looking forward to Saturday. 7 o'clock with a tip, 6.30, run a Rebel warm-up. Curtis and I will have all the action for you starting then uh, over on ESPN 1100. Runner Rebels and the Toreros of the University of San Diego, the Rebels' next opponent. We will be back here at Bailiwick next Tuesday night, Tuesday night for the show. The Rebels play Hawaii down in Henderson at the Dollar Loan Center Arena next Wednesday, a week from tonight. So uh, the coaches show next Tuesday night. want to thank everybody for coming out. Really appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Danny, engineering alongside. Damon back in our Learfield studios. And now for Coach NCT, this is John saying thanks for listening. We'll talk to you Saturday from San Diego. Have a great week, everybody. 
Live from Bailiwick, inside the Orleans Hotel and Casino, you've been listening to the Runnin' Rebels Coaches Show, presented by Fenley Toyota. Also brought to you by Boyd Gaming. Experience life rewarded with Boyd Rewards. Proud sponsor of UNLV Athletics. And by Fenley Chevrolet. Frankly, we're customer-driven.